like no, awesome. but you're saying that if you if you if you just shot the fire. <clears throat> Yeah, it's like just imagine you have like a fire pit, like just a propane. It fire. wouldn't flare out to the side itself. You have to put it. It'll like, fog haze, you know, but you won't get like that cool sort of like you know, anamorphic, like, that, like you know, McTiernan Michael Bay flare. Yeah. Uh, we just put so we just put a light on the other side of it, which the fire hides, and it just kind of gives that hot spot right in the middle of it. It's I love the cool. fact that you made a McTiernan reference. You're just like, <laughs> come on, Die Hard, man. You got to get that that spotlight. You know, it's one of the best movies ever made, if it not is. the. It is, yeah. It yeah. is. I met with Stephen D'Souza about a year ago. Really? Here. Just just to meet with him. Wow. And the guy's absolutely wild. That's awesome. Have you ever, have you ever met him? No. He's just he's just so he's so crazy and passionate about everything he does, and he 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 he, he pitches, and when he pitches, he basically he, he's he's so good at selling the scene that you can just see him actually like creating Die Hard. Yeah. From what you know, whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, I mean there's a, there's a shot in this. I'm, I'm prepping a movie right now, or totally ripping off the Welcome to the Party Pal shot. From, oh, from oh. Die Hard, like it's we're just, <laughs> Oh, you yeah. mean like when, when he's when he's when he's, he's just, uh, just through the body with, off, with, the, off, with, the, off the off the uh, yeah, yeah, off the roof yeah. to the uh, to the cop car. To the cop and car, yeah. Like and the, the, looking at him. And there's yeah. wind blowing. Yeah, blow. Ridiculous. <laughs> so you're just ripping that right off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you should have named you should have named your uh, your company like Grid Two Twelve or you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, mean, I guess all I all I ever really do is just rip other movies off. I mean, that's kind of the way it works. <laughs> well, know. you do a wonderful job. I mean, well, it was the old line: "Good artists borrow and bad artists, or sorry, b- good bad artists borrow, good artists steal." Then, well, I, I don't know if it's, if it's good, but I do steal a lot. You steal? No, but the truth <laughs> is, because the difference is, borrowing is just you're sort of like imitating something else. But when you steal it, you take it and you make it for yourself. And, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Are we are we going? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is how we do it. We start. If I was to say, okay, all right, so now we're here with you know, then we just it was just so something I discovered with everybody else that I mean the example I use is when um, these guys are sick of me hearing me mention this, so I'm not name dropping. But (laughs) when when we we went to we went to Cape Cod, we interviewed Gordon Willis at his house, Mm -hmm. right? And he is like like 82 years old, sharp as a tack, and like so like. Take control of everything, like just like the, the conversation. And the first 12, 15 minutes, we're talking, and then I introduced him, and then it just kind of became less interesting because I'd set this precedent right. of introducing him. You know what I mean? So I just find it better to talk. But no. well, uh, I mean, well, I mean, speaking of, I was just going to talk about just ripping stuff off. Yeah, I mean, MacGruber was was a big like. So explain to me MacGruber because I this movie I was I was just saying to to David over there. It, it almost looks like some of these scenes have no business being in the same movie next to each other. They don't, you know. Well, I mean. It was, it, was, it was when I read the script. I thought it was awesome. I mean, it, it really could have gone one like a couple of different ways. It could have been like you know the dumbest thing ever made, or it could be what would be like an awesome sort of like homage to just eighties action movies. Yeah, exactly. Which is what I was hoping they wanted it to be. Yeah. You know, so I went for the meeting, and you know, I met Yorma for the first time, and and um, you know, basically after the meeting, I was like, you know, so you want this movie to like look like Die Hard, right? Like it's supposed to feel like just a straight up action movie, because I think that you know, it's it's an SNL movie. So it comes with that stigma of like, oh, it's an SNL movie, so you think it's just going to be like a, I don't know, flatly lit. I don't want to say that they're all boring looking, but I don't know. They yeah. always seem kind of boring looking to me. And well, so, just, something that feels almost like it's it's like it's it taking you like out of it. just feels like very, I don't know, cookie cutter comedy in terms of like the look. I don't know. I mean, it's just I try to avoid that as much as I, we wanted to avoid it as much as we could. I think you ultimately. did. And you know, we were just we had no money. It was like a ten million dollar budget for what it was, and we were trying to make it look like a hundred and hundred million dollar like you know early 90s Michael Bay movie. Right. Um, and if you notice, there's like no action in the movie. I mean, there's, there's, there's a couple like sort of action scenes, but the rest of it just sort of feels really intense. Well, that one car explosion when he blows up his whole team. 
Yeah, but I that mean, was pretty that, good. Yeah, but, I mean that's like like it's like a second, and then you've got like a car that like backs around in a in, in a warehouse, and there's just some sh- some shooting at the end, you know. But we just treated it with that sort of like. And we should develop a formula. I was like, okay, I, all these are my favorite movies from when I was a kid. It's like, you know, I loved, you know, Die Hard. I loved, uh, you know, yep. all, all that stuff. Like, you know, Total Recall, RoboCop, First Blood, like all that stuff. Specifically, like Robo, uh, um, Rambo 3 was a big reference. Rambo 3 was a big one. One of probably my favorite, like, Rambo So let's be clear. You are you, you are basically a child. I'm a total child of the 80s. And of my, the 80s. And they're just my favorites. So right. Even when we were making it, I just kind of... Yeah, you know, I just developed like a rule set. It's like, all right, every single shot's going to be moving. It's all going to be long lens. It's all going to be smoky, no matter what. I mean, there's a scene like in that, like hit her kitchen or some point. It's just like smoke for no reason. The Tony Scott rule of thumb, you know? It's right. Just, you mean, yeah, Tony and Ridley. Right? Just yeah, atmosphere totally. where atmosphere, yeah. If you're outside, it's dust. If you're inside, it's smoke. Yeah. If you're on the beach, it's haze. Right, and you always wet it down, no matter what, even if it makes no right. sense. Right, and, right. Uh, it's, it could be the desert. Let's wet it down. And if it's like a, if it's like an establishing shot, it's like low to the ground and just like with a wide lens tracking. The, you know, it's just. All of those like conventional old school action. Well, it shows up in your photography because when I think of your photography, it, I, I mean, you're like a savant. Everything you do just has an incredible effect to it. It's so dynamic and it feels like you almost sort of throw the rule book out. I mean, it, it, are, are you, I mean, obviously you're, you're a serious photographer. You you've seen what people do? You've seen dozens of movies. I, I'm assuming you have. Handful. Handful. <laughs> well, at least you, we know you've seen yeah. Rocky Three, Die Hard. But That's do you, it. Do, you <laughs> do you consciously try and like throw the rule book out a little bit when you when you go to shoot? Like sort of like do things that fly in the face of convention? Yeah, I think so. You know, but I mean, I guess for, I guess first and foremost, I always wanted to do. Um, I don't know. I guess I want to serve the story. You know, when it comes down to it. I mean, right. just to start. You know, I mean, it's. Uh, and I figure out how I'm going to serve the story stylistically just with what the director ultimately wants to do, you know? And it's like, I'll suggest stuff here or there, but I, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I kind of do whatever seems to feel right for the movie based on what the director, I mean, I've also been really fortunate enough to work with some directors that have really wanted something outside of the box. You know, it's like right. when I did like, um, like Crank 2 was nuts. But that was the directors wanted that all the way. I mean that, and you know, we—that's their style. It's our style when we work together. It's right. like, uh, you know, that's just outside of the box in general. And then also working with uh, like Rob Zombie, for example. I mean, right. That dude just always wants stuff to be just degenerated and just rough and tumble, and like he wants a very specific aesthetic, which I more than happy, more than happily hand him, even though it, sometimes it scares the shit out of me. I mean, there were times on Halloween too where we. My operators came back to me. We shot on 16, and we pushed everything to stop. Right. And that's the point where on the 16-millimeter cameras, the optics in the viewfinder are darker than what the video tab can actually see with us back at the uh, video village. So they don't even know what they're shooting. Yeah, I mean, I had, you know, my operator BJ at one time came up to me and said, dude, are you sure that's okay? Because I couldn't see anything. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, it's good. Yeah. I don't know. And, you know, James came out, and we're like, I was like, thank God. You know, but, like, I was... Nervous. I, I don't mind... I guess I feel like if I'm not scared, I'm not doing it right. right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know if that makes See, sense. You've been an adrenaline junkie photographer. I, it, it, if, if I'm allowed, you know, when it comes down to it. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, okay, so let's, let's just pause anyway, for a sorry, second. No, 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 no. But we, we, it's good to jump around. It's a good, it's a good starting point. So you have grown up basically in the You look at your list of credits. You're, you're, basically, you're, you're 15 years old. Right now. Like right now, you're, you're, you're maybe, what, have you had your bar mitzvah yet? Like it's <laughs> coming. Right? Any any minute now? Yeah. You you've already assembled a list of credits that most people 
working in the business would never see. Like you've done, you've done effects, you've done, you've a camera assisted, you've done lighting. I mean, it's huge. Your resume is huge. How did you? How did you just? I mean, you just started working when you were seventeen or something like that. Well, I mean, I I, um, I grew up in it. You know, my my, my dad does special effects, and uh, I, gr- I grew up doing that as a kid. My whole my whole family's in it. My grandpa was a first AD. Like great grandparents were stunt people. Like it's all great really, grandparents yeah, were stunt people. Uh, we're all it's all in the family. Um, you know, I mean, my whole family. My sister does costume design. My brother also acts, writes, directs everything as, <laughs> as well, right. which we work together too. And um, you know, I, 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 you know, I thought I wanted to be an effects guy forever when I was a little kid. You know, I grew up on sets with my dad, helping him pack bullet hits and like, you know, burn shit down uh, with him. <laughs> like, you know, when I was like a, a teenager. On so it's in it your awesome. blood. Yeah, I mean, I've never even had a job that I've been paid for outside of the film industry. Like uh, growing up, just because that's just the way that I guess I just grew up. But. I didn't really turn to photography until I was getting out of high school. It was kind of my dad that talked me into it. He's like, you know, it effects is really, really hard. <laughs> and now that, you know, uh, CG is, because he does mechanical effects, like old school effects, and he's like, now that, um, you know, just digital effects are being more and more popular and it's just right. way more competitive. And it's like, you know, he's like, he said, the way that you talk about movies and the way that I've seen you just dissect all this stuff and just your general temperament. He's like, you remind me of DPs. You should be a DP. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I never thought about that. So I looked in it and I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. And I kind of went to film school and I had like, I had, I had a knack for it. <laughs> I don't know, like I just, you know, I just like movies. I'd always liked movies and for me it was just, if I could set up a shutter, even though, even though I didn't really study photography before I even went into film school, I just kind of, I don't know if it makes sense. I, I could like just, you can just feel when the frame feels like it looks like a movie. Composition. That was it. And that, that was just try, kind of figuring that out. And I mean, granted, I mean, most of the stuff I shot for the first like few years, like looks like, Crap. <laughs> I've got some. I mean, yeah, I might have a lot of credits on there, but most of it is super shitty. Right. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I was learning, you know, and that's that was the thing. I was just I went to school to be a DP, and I practiced being a DP until I think I you know I started to get a get a, get a handle on it. And while I was getting right. a handle on it, it wasn't always the best. But I think yeah. that's true for anyone who's trying to I don't know figure it out. I guess. Well, I don't I, know. Did I answer your question? I, no, I, no, you totally you, 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 you totally answered my question. And so you start, okay, so what's, what's the first, you know, sort of like landmark movie that you, that you lensed, I mean, that you can think of? I mean, when I say landmark, I don't mean the box office, I just mean for you, like you, you're doing, you shot a whole feature. Um, I'm trying to think of the first feature that really felt like I'd done something. Um, I mean, the first real one was Crank 2. I mean, that was the, fir- that was the first studio job. So let's talk about that, because um, you watch this movie, ne- Neville, Neville Dean Taylor, if I can call him that. Sure. I mean, yeah, Mark and Brian. Mark and Brian. Okay, <laughs> fine. Mark and Brian are uh, kind of unique to the business, yeah. in as much as they seem to aesthetically want whatever it takes to get you in. They're, they're, it's, on, it's adrenaline shooting to the max, but in a very, I guess you say European aesthetic, like it's not done just to try and be cool, it's done because that's the way they design a picture. Yeah. And it has, it has a beauty to it. What? Sometimes it's just to be cool, but good. <laughs> Sometimes it's not going to be cool. So what, 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 what did you shoot this movie on? Uh, we shot it on the Canon XH-A1, which is a, a, an HDV. Right. Prosumer camera corner. Um, and, that, and that's, that's the majority And this of is like movie. embracing a digital aesthetic. This is like oh, saying, yeah. fuck like, it, I don't I, care. When I came into the job, you know, because I, 
they wanted me to shoot the first crank also back in the day, but I, you know, I had shot a studio movies. They hadn't directed any studio films, so you know, uh, Lakeshore was like, "Yeah, no, we're not going to hire some untested kid who's like 24 at the time to be right. the DP for these nobodies." And they went off and did Crank and did Gamer, and then they came back uh, to do Crank Two. They said, "We want you to be our DP." And I was like, "Oh my God, thanks!" I mean, I just thought it was awesome that they still wanted to work with me after they had already basically lifted off, as far as I was concerned. And are you shooting like like? Commercials and music videos in the meantime, or are you just um, shooting a lot of short films? Yeah, I mean, at the time I was shooting a lot of, well, sh at the time I was shooting features too, you know, but mostly like small indie stuff. Um, and there was a handful of, you know, good ones in there that I that I really, uh, you know, think turned out awesome, you know, um, some of which have never even been seen. I still have features I've shot that never even got distribution or just, you know, sitting around, um, which, wow. ones that I've actually, you know, super proud of <laughs> that okay. no one will ever see, except for like maybe a clip on my reel, you know, which is kind of tough, but I guess it happens. Um, but, um, but, you know, for the, um, I totally lost track of what we were doing. Crank 2. Crank 2. So they call you and they say, we want you to do it, and you get... Yeah, and they got me on, which was awesome. I mean, I was stoked. I mean, I was 26 years old, and I got, like, a studio movie. It was nuts. I, I, I kind of had no idea. Like, I knew how to do it and how to, like, work with these guys, because they're my friends. I've known them since I was 18, since we were in film school. Right. And, uh... So I knew their whole deal. I knew Mark's roller cam stuff. I mean, Mark used to operate with me and was an AC with me back in film school on jobs when I used to shoot little shorts for the film school. So like, I was totally aware of their aesthetic, but when I got the job, they're like, look, this is the deal. When we shot the first crank, the cameras were too big. We want to have more freedom of movement. We want to be able to just take a camera that's... Basically, yeah, that, that first crank was so mundane and slow. No. That's how they felt. <laughs> Seriously. And, um, that's amazing. It is. So, the, yeah. so they, they basically said, this is the camera we want to use. I'm like, oh, great. I've actually used this camera before. It's awesome. I had I'd shot a couple of uh, features with it. And they also had this little camera. This, like, at, the, at the time, it was like the Canon uh, HF10, I okay. want to say it was called. Um, maybe like it's the just size this, of a point. Yeah, it's just this like tiny little like you know cylindrical type tube camera. Which I mean, to be honest, I don't think they're that great. And we used them as like little B camera spots. So you see them like I used to just like plant them all over for stunts, just just, just, just to, to have the shots. And then they would like paint them out of other shots if they were in, so that we could get multiple angles. You know? Right. There was a stunt we did where we shot like nineteen cameras or something <laughs> at the same time, and it was uh, I don't even remember the movie. There's like this scene yep. where. Uh, Statham walks into a house and like someone flies out. It's like he's beating up everyone in the house and then he comes out of, afterwards. But when he goes in, like people fly out of the windows and fly through the walls yes. and fly out this and there's body parts flying everywhere. People are running and screaming out of it. You're describing half the movie. This is yeah, which is just <laughs> this one shot basically. Right, right. But that's that's a sequence with multiple angles and whatever. But that, we did that in one take. Just he walked in and walked out. That was the whole thing. That was all covered with all of the cameras. One take at the same time, and that was how we shot that whole movie. I mean, it was just it was nuts. It was like we were shooting a crazy. Like a skate video, but an action movie with Jason Statham. Um, and we're getting like a hundred shots a day. It was crazy. We were shooting, you know, more hours in the day than there was the time that we actually worked because of how many cameras we were rolling. <laughs> so um, you shoot, you shoot a twelve-hour day and end up with fourteen hours of footage. Uh, yeah, like it was nuts. I don't even know how much it was, but I know it was more. I mean, our, the editor had his work, had his work cut out for me. He did a great job. Yeah. I mean, I'd set up shots for something that I knew would last a second. Like it would be like them running through like a hallway or something, and it was just like a piece of something. Like you never, you just never knew what they're going to use. We just need it's. It was like it's like, it's like quantity was quality for us to right. a certain degree. It's like just have as much as we can, so we can just feel like as much of an adrenaline rush as you want it to. Be. So what do you do lighting in this situation? Because what you're describing is basically that's a good you question. Know, I mean, you know how because you look at the movie and a lot of very cool mixed lighting where you'll get two, three, sometimes four colors. Mm -hmm. At the same time, 
it never looks like it's like, oh, what were they thinking on that shot? It's like, you know, there's, there's always well, like a contoured the lighting. The is that most of it's during the day. That's totally what it is. So that God is gaffer type thing. Also, we were shooting with like a shutter angle of like two thousandth of a second outside. So uh, bam, (laughs) there we go. We talked about it. Yeah, I I said I I, heats up light. I mean, in order for us just to come close to, I mean, there's very few interior scenes in that movie. You'll notice. I mean, there's like um, there's the whole like strip club sequence, and then there's um, some stuff inside the bad guy's lair. And um, it's been a while since I've seen it, so I'm forgetting what we did. There's some cool stuff in like a, a hospital room that we did that was kind of like the production office also. <laughs> anyway, I had like an ASA of like six or something like that to shoot with the shutter angle that we wanted, which I think ended up being like, I don't know. But it sounds like, it sounds like it was like a two degree shutter. Well, we decided that 250th of a second was as low as we would ever allow ourselves to go. Okay, so to that's... To try to get rid of motion blur, which I don't, even know, I don't even two, know what that equates to in degrees of shutter. Uh, 90, uh, 45, like, 22, about 30, 30 degrees maybe? Something, something like that. Okay. And, uh, and that was just it. So we had to be super bright inside. I mean, right. even in the strip club, we had you know all these lights overhead that we would dim up for the take and then dim down just because it would cook everybody. Um, oh, because it was so, so cause bright. It was so hot from the lights because it was so bright in there. Right. Um, it was crazy. We also had to be like 360 degree lighting too, you know, because we had to look everywhere. It's like we never wanted to be waiting for a, a, a turnaround or a right. reverse. There was no video village. Like we would just basically set everything up and tell everybody to go fuck off around a corner while we took these three cameras and just shot an entire scene. And that was it. And that was it. It was crazy. So a lot of sequences were done in like a few takes. Mm-hmm. And is Jason Statham doing a lot of his... His own stunts? Most of them. I mean, there's, wow. there's some stuff where, like... So he's a machine. Yeah. Total machine. The guy was awesome, too. I mean, he, he, was, he was super just enthusiastic, excited to do anything. I couldn't believe the stuff he was putting himself through. It was crazy. It was, it was awesome just to be there to witness what he does and does well, too. Um, there's a lot of sort of graphics, extra graphic stuff that goes in. Like, for example, when he's describing how the heart system works and the, you yeah. know like when, when the, doc, the doctor friend is describing how the heart system works mm-hmm. do you uh, do, Dwight Yoakam Dwight Yoakam yeah. <laughs> sorry when Dwight Yoakam is describing awesome. how the heart system works he is awesome when you do are, do they bring you in to shoot that or is that just done by the graphics guys or do you consult on that that, that was all like CG stuff that they did after the fact I, didn't, right. I wasn't involved but you know it, it, that, that's something that Mark O'Brien would just you know die with up. them because it's it's all part of their wheelhouse right. <laughs> in, in terms of how crazy it was now, was there ever a point when you're making the movie where you're setting up a shot, or a, a sequence, let's be honest, you're never setting up a shot based on what you said, you're setting up a sequence and a way to play things, and then you would have to put cameras everywhere. Yeah, I mean, that's, we would just basically light the space. But when you're, crazy. was there ever a time when you're, op- I mean, I'm presuming you operated one, one camera all I the did, time, yeah. mm-hmm. and so you're there, and you start, you know, finding an angle that you think is right, and they go, no, 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 and it was like, Crazier or wider, closer than what you had anticipated, or or do you sort of get the? I, mean, I think we were all kind of on the same page and all in the same rhythm. I mean, we didn't even know what each other was getting when it came down to it because we didn't have we barely did playback, and if we did, it was for a really specific stunt or something that we wanted to make sure it looked right, and we would do it just do it in camera and then just like keep going again. Um, it would be so this it, it was like guerrilla like, studio filming. It totally was. It was nuts. Like I couldn't believe we were getting away with it. It was that kind of deal. Like we. Um, you know, we I'd, I'd set up like a, we'd have like all these had all these screw on like wide angle lens adapters that we put on all the cameras just because it was all so it was all super wide, super deep. Focus. Super wide, super deep. That was the thing. I wanted to never worry about focus either because I mean we couldn't. We had these tiny little cameras and we had to did run. Did you have first first ACs? Or? We did, but it was um, it was more like they would help us sort of wrangle each camera. It was like all right, 
and we had like a, a whole table of cameras laid out for which one we wanted to use based on like the lens, the, the screw attachment on it. Like we'd take that one, grab it, and run. Like we never really assigned cameras to anybody. It was like we used the camera for what attachment it had on it that we wanted to just grab and go. Does that make sense? Hundred um, percent. That's wild. God, it's been wild. Um, the, but you know, I mean, they had their work cut out for them too because we're just moving so fast. You know, so it, they also had to. It, our first ACs basically had to try try to, I don't know. Uh, wrangle what was going on with the operators being right. you know, the, the directors and myself, and um, it was a, it was hard. Even, so even they didn't they, have to pull. At focus. times, the ACs are sitting there going like, "What the fuck are they doing now?" Oh, absolutely, yeah. but everybody yeah. on the crew was doing that. That's the thing. Like it was just every it was it was it was nuts. Um, but you guys, I, I think it you guys are in tune, movie. and you know, well, yeah, like you know, we'd, I'd be doing like a you know a three shot on a fisheye, like you know mm-hmm. this this close to right. you know two people or whatever, three people, and, and they'd, they'd be getting the cross shots and be like, you got it? Yeah. What is it? A single. This is a single, too. Got it. Good. Let's move on. Like, that was how we would shoot every day. Was there a script supervisor there? Yeah. And, and she basically, or he, she basically oh, she, started she, smoking cigarettes. She, she uh, pretty much. I mean, she, but, <laughs> no, but she was great. I mean, she, she, she definitely, I mean, she was helping keep the continuity of, like, the scenes and what was going on and helping us match, like, action and stuff like that. But she also would have to watch from a vantage point because there were no monitors. You know, she'd have to just watch what was going on. It was, it was really not like any kind of studio movie ever. I, it, I just I kind of felt lucky to be there. That's a fantastic <laughs> we story. Is there any particular sequence in there that you feel just came out so beautifully that... Well, I mean, I'm, I'm really... I'm really happy with how... I mean... God, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like, it's, it's, it's one of those movies, when, even when I saw on the big screen, because I, I, didn't, I didn't even get to be... I wasn't a part of the DI. I was busy working on another movie. And the guy, the guy who did the coloring for really? it was... Uh, um, this guy, Siggy at Company 3 who is fantastic. He's really, really good. I mean, he did. You, you just, did you send him like some, some, some stills or you just said go? No, and... they, you know, I think, I feel like they did a couple things and sent me some stills saying, hey, this is what we're thinking. Do you like it? And I was like, yeah, it looks great. And um, it came out looking fantastic. It was awesome. I mean, that guy made it look, it's actually the same guy that I got to do um, the FP later, which I know, we can talk about we're later. We're going to talk but, about uh, it because it's a masterpiece. Um, which I ended up using the same camera from Craig T to use as well to shoot with. Okay, so so that's... also we can talk about that more later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Longer but, lenses, though. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, just a different vibe. And that's the cool thing about, I don't know, I was never, I love digital. I always have. I mean, I, I learned how to shoot on a Canon XL1. Well, know? it's good that you're saying this, because when I think of your photography, I mean, I was even saving, saying this to um, other folks who were here earlier. You are kind of, uh, there's you and a few others who are representative of a new generation of, Cinematographers. That doesn't mean that there's, there isn't brilliant people from older generations still working oh. who haven't you haven't learned <clears throat> from and you don't pay. But it's just a question of embracing 100% a digital aesthetic. Yeah. And like not giving a shit whatsoever. You know what I mean? No, that, but using it for what it looks like. Exactly. Because in itself, it is its own style. Um, which is exactly what we like in, in, in Crank Two, for example. Not to keep going back to it. But, no, let's but stay I mean on that's it. about as digital. Like we wanted the movie to feel electric. We wanted it to be almost visually abrasive. Like we cranked up the detailing in the cameras to make it that much sharper. Which is usually in no, camera. No, in camera, we did it. Didn't yeah? You? Like we committed to it. We wanted you it the whole way. Um, we didn't want anyone. We didn't want to have to be forced to go back to it because we wanted. We wanted that just sharp electric, electronic look, which I feel like you know we got. Um, but use it as a style. You know, I feel like we used it to our advantage. There's no way we could have shot that movie on film and had it look that same way. You know, no. it's like it's, it's, 
it is its own thing, and I, I, I love that. I think it's awesome, you know, and, and, and I also feel like if you want a more cinematic, uh, you know, even traditionally narrative look out of digital, you can get it if you, you know, I don't know, I, I want to say just treat it the same. I don't know, people always, always say, like, how do you make digital look like a movie? I was like, well, you just kind of pretend it's not film. digital and <laughs> pretend it's film. And I, it's, for me, it always kind of fell into place, I right. thought, but... Um, I don't know. It's just how you use it because you can go. Some, you can just go like you can go so far right or left with yeah. within digital that it's it's amazing. I've always I've always loved it. And so you learn how to shoot on an XL one. Yeah, like shorts in university. And yeah, stuff. well, I mean, I, I mean, I went to I went to the LA Film School and mm -hmm. um, that was like the first class there. I mean, I, I had just graduated high school and I just found out about this place and like I tried to, you know, I and I I went into it and the first day there they handed you a camera which happened to be the XL one at the time. It was what they had. We went out and shot. And you put tapes in. Put tapes in these little things called cassettes. Tapes, cassettes. <laughs> Craig did with cassettes. Still used it. That was it was right right before it all went cards. Um, it was on the cusp of. But um, anyone accidentally ever walked by with a, a an electromagnet? No. Thank but God. we did. We did use. I mean, it was awesome that uh, that, that that Cliff the. Behind the scenes, uh, EPK guy was shooting a camera that could just intercut with everything we were shooting. With. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm the behind the scenes guy using the same camera they are. Yeah, I think yeah. he was specifically shooting it like 60i just to make sure it would it look different, different from the movie <laughs> when he was cutting it later. It's pretty awesome. That's, well, it, 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 it is an achievement. I mean, it's a huge achievement, Crank, too. And it, it's, it's a, I mean, you know, I don't know where the line between a bad a bad blockbuster picture starts and a good, ridiculously gratuitous movie starts. But yeah, like right. it, the, the guy falls out of the sky <laughs> and is still alive and you're just like, okay, I'm down for the ride on this one. Yeah. I'm going to go with it. This is fantastic. They're, try, they're trying to get Craig 3 going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, well, we're going to watch that. You're going to shoot that one, right? Uh, I hope so. Okay. Oh, man. You have to. God. Um, so let's flash forward a bit. So now, you, you know... Uh, Ghost Rider, which you also made with the same filmmakers, mm -hmm. Spirit, the, the, the sequel. Spirit of Vengeance. Spirit of Vengeance. Yeah. The Spirit of Vengeance, yeah. which is always a dish best served hot. Um, so you make this movie. Now this is this has a little bit more of a traditional aesthetic to it, though still pretty aggressive mm -hmm. and still pretty free freewheeling and dealing. Yeah. What did you shoot this one on? This one we shot uh, red. We shot red uh, red MX mm -hmm. yeah. and. Um, which we were, yeah, I mean, I was super comfortable with. I had shot a couple features on it already, and I, uh, the guys were as well. They used red to shoot gamer, right. uh, which I didn't shoot. So everyone's all super red savvy, and we're like, yeah, red, it's great. We wanted to use the epics. They kind of like were just available, but Peter Jackson literally, literally like Took all usurped them. every single one for for uh, <laughs> for for Hobbit. Because we were going to shoot 3D at one point too. That was part. That was the whole thing. Like oh, we yeah. went through the whole 3D, you know, program, the whole like classes. That this because I had shot a 3D movie. Yeah, just like it was all theory, and we were you know, investigating rigs that we were going to use. We had it all figured out to shoot 3D, but then realized like there's no way we can shoot a Neville Dean Taylor style movie 3D because it's just the weight factor. Not yet. Know? Not yet. Yeah. Indeed. Um, so at least with that current time of 3D, it just. We realized once we started shooting just regular 2D, which we did, and did a post-conversion after that, there was no way we could have made that movie any, any other way. Um, right. And, you know, we still treated, there, there were certain sequences we would treat a little more like a traditional sort of big movie, action movie, to kind of give, like, the scope of what was going on. I mean, we spent, we shot most of the movie in Romania and then yeah. in Turkey, so we wanted to kind of take all that in. 
And we were shooting at four locations too. We weren't trying to like hide it for something else either, which I think was awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it, it was still very much a handheld movie. The camera was always still just like cradled in our arms with a, with a short zoom on it and sort of uh, multiple cameras still shooting a lot of the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. We, we except it was a it was more of a two camera shoot than than a three this time around. Um, and uh, you know, I think that and, and the guys threw me on a lot more this time around, which was nice. <laughs> I mean, granted, I was I was with them the whole time on on Crane Two also, but uh, it was. Um, I don't know, it was fun. It was, I mean, it was a long time. It was six months in the cold in Eastern Europe. Um, wow. And most of it was outside. And the movie doesn't look as cold as it actually was. It was no, it looks, it looks like it's climbing. <clears throat> it was interesting. Um, like, <laughs> like, like, like broke my winter spirit emotionally cold. It was gnarly. But, um, <laughs> uh, I don't know, it was just, it was different. You know, it was, um, it was like a hybrid of that sort of traditional crank Neville Dean Taylor style with something a little more, I don't know, like mainstream summer movie, you know? Um, which, I don't know, I think works. I think sometimes kind of works. I don't know. It, like it's, um, I think it works. I think it works yeah. very well. I think the aesthetic, I think it gave an aesthetic that it brought that, you know, Mark and Brian yeah. aesthetic to sort of merged with a sort of more broad studio appearance, but it still had... I mean, that was it. It was like we kind of infused yeah. that into that sort of audience, you know, which, yeah. I think, which I think is awesome. I mean, there's the... Like, I love the, the, the like, you know, Road Warrior-style chase sequence at the end on this highway where, um, you know, the Ghost Rider's, like, chasing all, the, all the, the trucks, and he's, like, they're all blowing up all around him and stuff like that. How do you deal with the uh, with knowing so much is going to be effects? I mean, it looked like you wanted to do a lot of stuff also in camera, like some flames and stuff like that, but also a lot of it... Well, was... we always knew that a lot of the fire was going to be uh, fake yeah, and, and done in post, and um, I think that a lot of that fire was really, really great looking, too. I, I kind of... Um, know, knowing that, you know, what they actually had to spend on it uh, and, and what turned out because of that, I think it's kind of remarkable how good that, all that stuff ended up turning out. Um, because it really was kind of like a low-budget action movie when it came down to it. It's like they had a certain amount of money, but it was like, you know, there was so much like above the line and all this other money wrapped up in whatever. We were making this money movie for like that much right. <laughs> when right, it came right. down to it. Actually, it's good that you mentioned this. It's something that the people watching this should know is that oftentimes a budget for a movie can look like mm -hmm. it's, you know, they could say it's 40 or 60 million, and that's true. Yeah. When you're done paying the star and the producers and, the, and this and the rights and... All these yeah. things, you end up actually making the movie for like eight million bucks. Sure, and if it's a sequel, are there deals yeah. involved front that they made with previous people in the first movie that have to be paid out paid for out. stuff? I mean, who mm. the hell knows? Like, right. there's so much stuff that I don't even know about. But you end up making, you know, what is such a small budgeted film comparatively to like, you know, big budget action movies that have to it has to compete with those like hundred million dollar action movies that come out as right. that summer also. So we didn't have the money to do that, but we we're struggling to like make it feel that way, which. Right. I feel like with what we had, we we did. <laughs> well, it's got great action to it. The movie's got great action to it, and you know, it, it was it just it may have been just my wanting to see it. But did you keep it a little bit sort of a little bit more monochromatic, a little more desaturated, and then all of a sudden the writer would come in and you'd pump up the contrast a little bit, and pump up the color a little bit. Um, a little bit. I think I think most of that comes out in just the fire. You know, it's just, it's just the eye playing with me. I, I, I think so. I mean, it, there's there, there's a little bit. I mean, it's def there's definitely a little bit of a. It's definitely vibrant in in certain scenes and not in others. But we were we were kind of playing around with different locations too because we were trying to like utilize them for what they had for them. You know, so, some some were a little bit cold, so we would kind of go that way. And you know, like when we went to Turkey, we were trying to figure out a look for that too. When we had this like 
there's like this sequence where there's all these desert cliffs and caves and stuff like that that has like this almost like magical tone to it. Yeah. That um, we ended up adding like this sort of like promised kind of glow to it, which was all post we did in the DI. Um, but you know, just to like help distinguish that from other, just so it was like otherworldly, which was which was fun. Um, Are you a big lighter? A what? Are you a big lighter? A big lighter? I mean, do you do you like to throw a lot of light, or is it just some scenes yes, some scenes no? I, I think it just depends. I'd say generally no. Um, I'm, I'm I'm sure that I have a, a gaffer out there that'll probably say otherwise. Uh, <laughs> and I, um, I mean, the only reason I ask is because you know there there are brilliant DPs who do it with tons, and there are yeah. brilliant DPs who do it with little. Uh, and and I I can't tell when I look at it with your stuff. It just looks it always looks dynamic and sort of like rule breaking and. And colorful and fresh, you know. I'm definitely, I'm definitely on the smaller end. I think, you know, I'll, I, I, I like to shoot with a lot of either, you know, practical, motivated, or like, sh- I like lights that I'm using to be in the scene in the shot, and I do that all. No the time. shit. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I think it's awesome. It, it is awesome, and let's talk. Um, let's talk about where that becomes comp- like just so beautiful is in the FP. So, <laughs> the like the FP, this is like. Still can't believe you've seen it. It's no, awesome. I, no, no, no. First of all, who who's selling it internationally? The movie. Um, actually, no one yet. We're still trying to get it. out. No there. one is selling it internationally. Well, no, we we have a we have a, we have a sales agent. It just hasn't. It just we haven't made any deals yet. Oh, well, that's because they haven't sent you the report that was due in October, and they said, "Don't worry, we'll get it to you soon." <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> no, who's the who's the sales agent? Um, crickets. Crickets. <laughs> Trying to remember, I know them. They saw right? my movie. They're great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't. The name is escaping me for some reason. Though. Okay, sorry. It's but, kind of okay, embarrassing. And, I should and, know this. Distribution in the U.S. is <laughs> is uh, is Alma Drafthouse for Drafthouse Films, um, right. uh, who I think who did theatrical and then had sort of a deal with uh, Image to release, I think, on DVD. But it's all through Drafthouse as the distributor um, in, in just the states alone. So you write this movie with your. With your brother? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the movie is basically, if I may. Go ahead. The movie is basically a cross between Kickboxer, uh, Rocky, um, any other 80s movie, and, you know, and video game dancing. Yeah, I throw Warriors in there. Warriors, yes. Um, okay, yeah, you're right. I, sh- I should have immediately. No, that's okay. You know, but, and, but, and a little bit of Snake Plissken. It's all there, you know. Yeah, I mean, Kar- Karate Kid. Karate Kid. Like, yeah. all of that, like, uh, any 80s, you know, competition movie. Right. Uh, but the, but yeah. the setup for it is that it's in the future. Um, there's a total 80s aesthetic everywhere, including Ghetto Blasters. Yeah, it's funny. We never series. actually said it in the future. We never... Oh, but that, oh really? Like, yeah, like, the... Um, that's that's we kind of made the time sort of nebulous. We never really like specified nor thought of it as futuristic right. or post-apocalyptic ever. We always just thought of it as just like just another. We thought of it as, as like weirdo white trash, which I think in which a lot, it is. which I think in a lot of people's is eyes there a single it looks black post-apocalyptic. Kinda. <laughs> we our, our buddy Chevy is in the background a oh, couple he's times, in the background. Um, okay, fine, and he yeah. was our. Uh, I think he was our. I think I think he's our key grip. We were like we were like a crew of like five people. It was super small. So okay. all of our all of our uh, crew were also extras in the movie. So the premise in every of the shot. movie. The premise of the movie is in this world. There's two gangs: the two four five and the two four eight. And our hero at the beginning of the movie loses his brother in this video game dance competition where they get electrocuted when they lose. 
and then he disappears. Or who knows? It's almost, yeah, never mind. The, the death is, is unknown. Unknown. <laughs> comes back, well, it's inferred, it's implied. Sure. And then he comes back when he's convinced by his, by his crony uh, to return and uh, eventually avenges his brother's death and uh, wins the girl at the end. Um, the movie is so perfectly stylized with this 80s aesthetic that even right down to the opening credits where you made it look like it was half of the straight-to-video you know, like aesthetics of, of, of the opening credits. The dialogue is hysterical. The uh, performances are just right on point of camp. The tropes are all like hit perfectly. It is a masterpiece. This movie is a total masterpiece. And you co-directed on, on top of shooting. <laughs> and in every scene, there's lights in, there's lights in the shot. Every scene, there's instruments in the shot. Maybe maybe the sunrise at well, the end, but even that's the sun. You know? I mean, I can I, can, I mean, I can spell out the whole like there's 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 a lot of reasons why it looks that way, which is sort of by uh, I guess carefully planning it into uh, what we could do, right? You know, um, so the crew of five, or 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 more, depending on the day, depending on who could show up to help us out that day. I mean, this it, is a, this is a, this movie. What does it cost to make the movie? Um, it cost us. Like forty-two grand to shoot the movie. Wow. I, I think it ended up costing us sixty by the time we put in all the money for like sound and color correction and stuff like that. So basically, in the in the cans, it was delivered and released at sixty thousand dollars, which is not a lot of money. Really great. But it also took us like three and a half years to get the movie made from shooting it to actually getting it released because of that. Like it was a lot of favors, and favors take forever, which is fine. But it's like that's just what it takes. And you know, during that process, like I shot the movie immediately after Crank Two. And it wow. didn't come out until just a year ago. So that's like a four-year, that was like a four-year turnaround, I think. Almost five years. And um, it started out as a short. I mean, it was my brother's idea to start. You know, he made, he, when, I, when I went up to film school, he was making shorts when he was in high school. He's five years younger than I am. And uh, so he was doing all that stuff, and I would like, you know, um, I'd watch his stuff and tell him what was awesome and what was great or, you know, what I thought he could do to make stuff. Or we were just like, he was like surrogately making movies while I was at the same time, um, which was awesome. And he made this, this one short called The FP, and I was like, holy shit, dude, that is awesome. Like, that's the one that is so weird and out of its mind. Like, you know, we should make, I said, I said, you should make that new movie. And I didn't know that, that was before we had talked about making movies together at all. And what got us to, into thinking to do it was when we made the short, because we made a short to try to like make money to make the feature. Yeah. Um, and it was during that process where like, we should just do this together. I mean, this is like, we love this. This is our thing. Like, we're always on the same page. Like, let's just, let's make this. So we kind of used that as our first calling card thing, the short. Two years later, we had some money to make the, make the movie. But it was mostly, it was like, you know, the budget was mostly like my dad and like right. a friend of, uh, a friend of, you know, the, uh, um, the actor that plays Beatro right. right. and Beatro himself, and then and then right. I ended up putting in cash to finish it. But it's like, is that your nickname, by the way, Beatro? It has become since this for sure. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but it was it was it was awesome. It was like really really small. I mean, there's no way anyone would ever like make that movie unless we. Uh, yeah, like we, uh, it was. It's all like a big, crazy sort of inside joke. It's like a farce on just '80s sort of action movies, and it's something that we always found really funny, and it also plays on just sort of. You know, we we actually grew up in Fraser Park, up in this mountain town north of LA, and that's where you know we lived, and 
a lot of the dialogue that came from that we actually saw or would see at like parties up there, like actual scenarios with like you know these dumb dudes and, and girls. Like it, like a lot of the stuff yeah, kind of lifted say, from reality. Give me a bow tie. Um, there's you'd be surprised. I mean, some <laughs> a lot of the dialogue was you know what was augmented, and a lot of that stuff was um, you know we did just because we thought it would be funny, and it turned into like its own language. But right. um, it's. You know, because of that, we made it a super. It's it's super formulaic. I mean, we, but we wanted it to be like by design. So we wanted this movie to yes. be like the most baseline, formulaic, like '80s, um, you know, competition style movie. But we could layer all this weird, crazy shit on top of it. So if you got lost, at least you could pay it. You could follow along with convention. Right. And uh, <laughs> I mean, we we, we so love for example, when it just cuts away to the B story, you know, you got the, you got the montage of him mm-hmm. training to try and learn how to dance again. Right. And then, you know, it'll cut away to the B story, and for some reason he can't... There's a wonderful little shot of him sort of looking up at the girl, and, oh, he doesn't have the confidence yeah. to go talk to her. And, it's and just, that's just it. It's yeah. just like this, the whole thing is just tongue-in-cheek, like right there. Yeah, right? but, uh, you know, because it's, it, it is like this like farce on weird rural America also. Right. You know, like, um, you know, for us it was just, it was really funny to watch all of these just like, you know, we would call just like dumb white mountain trash kids that... Uh, you know, not not that we were too far ourselves because we were there too, but uh, it's just weird. It's this weirdo world where they like you know they have this sort of super urban like aggressive almost like hip hop attitude, yeah. but they don't quite know how it works because they sort of learned it all from like TV and movies or whatever. It's like it's all like a little bit off. <laughs> um, it's crazy. And it was always just really it was, it was always really funny to us because for whatever reason we were always able to like watch it from a little bit of the, a little bit of like you know outside of what was going on, and we just thought it was like marvelous. Like it was so like kids getting in fights over like the dumbest shit, and like it really literally like there's a moment in the FP where they're like kind of chicken chesting each other. Yes, but they don't actually fight. But they kind of when they get pulled apart, it's like they did fight. Yeah, you know, like that that happens up there. I don't know. There's just so many different bits and pieces we were trying trying to infuse into it. But it, but but it becomes even though it's got all these layers to it, yeah. because the setup is so f- like on the beat formulaic, and strong, and hilarious that the yeah. c- the centerpiece the the arena, if you will, is you know in kickboxer it's kickboxing. Right. In, in <laughs> our movie, you know, our movie really does follow the kick. It basically is kickboxing. Basically, it's kickboxing. Yeah. You know, but but <laughs> the arena is this video game dancing, this eight bit video game dancing that's reminiscent of Guitar Warrior, Guitar mm-hmm. Hero, whatever it is. And it, the minute you see that in the trailer, you go, I'm on for the ride. I'm down for the ride for this thing because it's just wonderfully structured. Man, if you are, you are. If you're not, you're not. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. If you are, you are. And if you're not, you're stupid. Well. Because this movie is on, man. It's it's, it's we, 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 we It's everyone involved in this thing, all 27 of us, are, uh, are huge fans. Yeah, I, there's too many to name now. I can't even name everyone involved. They're all, they're, all, they're all hiding behind all of these. They're, they're all behind all the instruments. Yeah, we have them on manual dimmers. Um, so, are you, are you proud of the, You're proud of the results of the FP? Yeah. Oh yeah, I love it. I think yeah. it's awesome. I mean, the thing is, like, for us, it's it, it's totally us and it's ours, and no one told us no. And we we felt like if we're going to make a first movie where we direct together, let's make something that we are taking totally to the limit that no one would ever let us make again. Yeah. And we were happy to do that. You know. Um, Oh, but also getting back into just like building in like the look and the lights and all that stuff, yes, you know, which yes, I think yes. we initially started talking yeah, about, yeah. is that we just had no time to make this movie. I mean, we shot it in 20 days, and it was all up at my dad's place in Fraser Park, like in his barn up there, which is where we built everything. So, you know, we'd shoot for five days, a six day, we'd build sets and like prepare for the next week and then have a day off in between. 
but all the lights you see, I'd build, I would put there specifically because I knew that we had to shoot so quick and I wouldn't have a time to like dick around with lighting. So we just put them into the shot and, you know, kind of sort of hope for the best. I mean, you know, I, at this point I'd done enough of that sort of, you know, lighting the space uh, like we did in Crank. You know, it's just like applying all the stuff that I was learning in other movies and just putting it into ours and making it easy for us. But it looks great. Um, it, I, I, I love it. I think it's awesome. You yeah. know, it's, uh, for, for how small it is, it's just, I feel like we got every ounce of scope we could out of no money for that, that movie. You know? When was the decision made to end the movie the way the movie ends? It was totally Jason's idea. Yeah. Uh, that actually is a, is a holdover from Jason's original shorts he made just out of high school. Right. Like that, that shot is in, in the, also by the Duck Pond in Fraser Park. Like right. that shot was, that, that was, I think it was that shot that sold me on the entire concept. Yeah. And yeah. so we had to, like, that, that wasn't going away. If, if I had anything to do with it, that was always how it was going to end. And let's be clear, that sunrise at the end is a money shot. <laughs> yes, it is. It's funny, like, you can see different, different points of that movie where I, um, you know, as I worked, because I, you know, as I, as, as I, after we shot that, I went on and did MacGruber and then went off and did, yeah. uh, like, Hall you know, Halloween 2. Yeah, we got to talk about those. And then even, uh, like, on Ghost Rider, like, I reached out to the people that did the visual effects in Ghost Rider because I always wanted, when we tilted up, to have a flying V of ducks go in right. at the end, which is just their CG ducks. But that was a Ghost Rider 2 relationship where they put those in at the very end. You just took the same, same asset? They, they just, so, well, they took they took our shot, and we said we wanted a flying V, and I sent them a photo of what I wanted from what I found on the internet, and they kind of like animated them and had them flip fly in, and it was just perfect. It was like we knew I always knew we needed something there in the sky when we tilted up because it was always nothing, and then it just went to black. Right. But um, you know, the flying V of ducks really seals the deal. Seal it, it, yeah. Like, you know what? <laughs> it's just I, it's like you think now it's that there. You mention it. You think it's there with you know with what she's doing, but. The flying V, I think, is really like the button. It is the button. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Awesome. To buttons. Yeah, indeed. But there we go. There we go. Very good. Mm. Halloween 2. Oh, yeah. So, uh, it wasn't you that shot the first Halloween with Rob Zombie? No, that was, uh, that was Phil Parmet. Parmet, right. Who also... Who also did, did uh, Devil's Rejects. Devil's Rejects, yeah. which the end, the end sequence of that looked awesome when it got really hyper-grainy and everything like that. With oh, the, with, the, with, with the, the Freebird? Freebird, yeah. yeah. It's a cool sequence. It's a cool sequence. Yeah. But, okay, so, so now you get a, I mean, do you get a call from, from, uh, from Rob? Was it just like a chance meeting? What, like, I, you know, I, I got a call from, from, my, uh, from my agents about it. Mm -hmm. like, but I think that they had an in in inquiry from uh, the line producer, who I think had heard of me from somebody else through another production company that I used to shoot other movies for. It's like it's such a weird, like you know, family tree spider web of stuff that people hear about. But I worked for this company, like Neo Art and Logic, for a long time, and a long time, like a handful of movies. I did a couple of uh, of, of sequels for the Pulse franchise. Right. I guess it's franchise. Right. <laughs> anyway, those happened. I shot them. You yeah. shot the sequels to Pulse. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and they, those, those were interesting, I don't know, experiments. Anyway, uh, the, um, you know, I'd worked for that company. And they, they probably looked they, pretty good. Brent. They had, well, you should check it out. Okay. <laughs> but, All, right. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. But um, anyway, I, I, like a long story short, they'd heard of me from somebody and then reached out to me and I was like, holy shit. Uh, Rob Zombie, like, when I was in eighth grade, all I wanted for my birthday was Astro Creep 2000. I thought, like, White Zombie was the coolest thing in the world. I was kind of freaking out about it a little bit. I don't know. Um, right. 
So I go and I have a meeting with him, and it's like we're just talking about the movie, and he was, I'm trying to remember, I mean, he was just telling me what he, what he wanted the movie to be, and I was like, yeah, sounds great, you know, a couple of cameras, we just go like super, uh, super, super dark, super gritty, shoot 16, we'll uh, run, a, we'll just. He wants texture. You know, he wanted it to just be yes. gritty and real and lots of practical lighting. And like, he never wanted to have to worry about a reset within a room mm-hmm. for a different angle. So right. it's like if we set a lights, it's like sometimes a shot will stay here on one angle while another one's over here. Then we'll, we'll get one take and he'll say, okay, keep this one, but move this one over here now. Okay, keep that one, but now let's move this one over here now. Now let's move both cameras over here together. Like it's, it's very... He, he, like he, it's almost like he sculpts it as he's going along, which is really awesome just to be a part of. Right. Because any idea either goes or it doesn't, you know? And, and if he thinks a shot should... But, but you can't, you're allowed to manipulate lights in between, or he I mean, keep it to a minimum? Yes and no, but it's like if I've got a shot here, I've already established something on this one, I can't change too much if it, if for another angle if it's going to adjust this one shot. So I just have to, like, let the broom be what it is, and just, if it feels like it's a mistake, I call it part of the style. Like, it was like... It was like embracing what would be a traditional photographic mistake in a way that I thought felt, I don't know, pretty in this weird, like, ugly way, if that makes sense. And that was kind of like but the that, style that But we what you just said explains the aesthetic of the movie because yeah. it has a certain rawness to it, you know, and a certain, a certain, uh, uh, I don't want to use the same word over, but a gret, sort of like, well, really I just raunchy, weren't like, afraid to let it be dark when it was dark and bright when it was bright. You know, yeah. like I wanted it Because it just... does get really bright. Like, I mean, that stuff in the middle of the road with the angel and the horse and the, uh, you know, like the ghost. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's just... Um, it's out there. It totally is. I love it. And, and it's, um, I mean, there's like a scene where like a car drives up, like, and we're out in farmland, you know, so all you, but we didn't light out there. I'm like, let's just let it be headlights in black. So it's just headlights in the darkness and for a long time until it finally light comes up to where there's a couple of like sodium vapor lights lighting it. It was totally wrong you know by like normal photographic standards but like we loved it because it felt like just had this rich rawness to it and also reminded us of old um i mean basically it has like that that, you know how texas chainsaw massacre was a movie made in the 70s had no money to be made exactly so it kind of just feels like that because that's all they could do right and i wanted it to have that vibe to it did shooting on 16 affect you at all in terms of like the the fact i mean everything's proportionate so you know a 25 becomes a 50 and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But I'm saying just like the change in, foc- in focal depth to that. I mean, is there times you wanted like a shallower depth of field and you couldn't get it because the lenses were too wide? No, I was never really looking for a super shallow depth of field. I think we got it naturally because I shot most of the movie at like a 13 <laughs> 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 And we were pushing it at a stop. So, right. uh, so I go. was rating it at like a 800 and shooting super wide open. So What I mean, stock was it, just out of curiosity? Uh, Fuji. Fuji 400 or something? I think it was Fuji 400 that we pushed to stop. To no, it's Fuji 500. Sorry, it's Fuji. You push it to a thousand. Fuji 500 that we pushed to a thousand, but I rated it 800, if I remember correctly. Uh-huh. It's been a while. It's also the last film job I've done. It's been years. I mean, let's like, yeah, yeah. But you, but you loved as much as you like a digital <clears> aesthetic. <throat> for this one, you really loved. Really that. Lo- loved it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's. I honestly, I feel like if I were to, if I'm ever to shoot film again. You know, I feel like should I be lucky enough to at this point? Yeah, I would push for sixteen. I I feel like sixteen is the only way it actually looks like it's on film anymore. Like uh, it's interesting. I Just I because like, you get like, the grain off sixteen, but thirty-five is so yeah. Clean. I mean, thirty-five being super yeah. thirty-five. I mean, granted, it's it's film. If you look at it, 
you can you can tell if you're scrutinizing it. You, you can, but I think that for the most part, it's so sharp, it's so clean that even with certain you know digital you know uh, digital cameras, it can be so close that most people won't tell the difference. Yeah. Um, and with 16, you can you feel it. You, you still can. You, yes. you totally can. And it I, jumps. I love it. I like love Walking it. Dead, almost too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think did they shoot that in 16? I, I think, think it's 16. Is it? Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, but it, but you know, but, it, but then that gets us to uh, Lords of Salem, which is which is some. I don't know if so you guys I, have seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet because it hasn't been released where I am. Right. But it looked the trailer looks fantastic. And it's it's one of my favorite looking things I've ever shot. It's awesome. It um, is wild looking. So so did you shoot this on sixteen as well or no? No, we shot uh, digital, uh, which which was a little bit of uh, outside of Rob's real house because he's he, he's 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 diehard. He's Captain Analog. I mean, right. he just. He's all about just the '70s and and, and all of you know, all of that, which is his deal, and it's awesome. And um, does he have a good turntable? <laughs> uh, he does. <laughs> Actually, I, I grew up in an audio store, yeah. so I have one myself. Um, the thing was that um, you know he was a little unhappy with certain uh, uh, studio meddling that he was dealing with on Halloween 2 and, and also the, the original Halloween to the point where he just wanted to make a movie where he was kind of allowed to do whatever he wanted. Uh-huh. And that was his deal with, uh, with Lords of Salem. It was like, look, I'll do this movie for a million and a half dollars, but... Uh, I make my movie. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get Final Say and cast. I'm going to get Final Say and Final Cut. Like, everything. Everything. And they agreed to do it. They agreed to it. It was Blumhouse. It was Jason Blum, you know, with uh, the, you know, the, the whole, like, paranormal activity uh, producing camp. Yeah. Um, which is great, but you know the thing is that that's fine. But you only have a million and a half dollars to do that. So what? <laughs> so what? So what is it that you want to do, but within that budget and for that that money? And I was like, well, first off, I'm like, we can't afford to shoot film on this. Like, we need we need to shoot digital. So we had shot a commercial, you know, a few months prior, where I said, look, I'm telling you, we can get digital to look close to film. Just let me show you an, an idea. And we shot a commercial for Woolite. Which is totally weird and random. You and Rob shot a commercial for Woolite. for Woolite up in Vancouver, and yeah. if you watch it, you can tell why they hired it. Why they hired him? It's like uh, it's like a weird, like kind of horror theme, and right. and it's um, you know, but it's but it's kind of funny. You know, it right. almost almost has like an Evil Dead kind of vibe to it, but it's like the Rob Zombie version of it. Um, and I you know I cranked the ISO up to like thirty two hundred, and just to like make it all noisy and um, just to try to just to try to fuck it up as much as I could. Right. That's, that's really how it works with Rob. It's like if it's not grimy, it doesn't work. Right. Um, so in the end, he liked it. He's like, "Yeah, it looks good. Let's just do this for the movie." So we did another test, and we went through this um, this lab, uh, Light Iron, in, in yep. Hollywood. Yep. Uh, who um, special guys out there actually? With the, they have their onset daily system. Yeah, no, they're 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 great, and I've, I've used yeah. them a bunch. And uh, Des there, I knew from back when he used to work at Company Three. It's funny, like when I colored FP back at Company Three, Des was there, and right. then a couple of years later, Des was already at, at Light Iron. But anyway, um, we tested it, and, and <clears throat> it had turned out that, you know, I wanted to shoot anamorphic too. That was the other thing, and we shot anamorphic. Um, which set of anamorphic? Like hawks or something? Or what Panavision. Um, you got Panavisions on which body? Which t- red MX. So you went red. We couldn't M- afford the epics. That's the thing. It was still just, couldn't it was, afford. I mean, they, it, we couldn't afford the epics because they were so new. But but we still got still, yeah. We still got the uh, the MX. The only, the only bummer is that when you shoot with the. Um, you know, with uh, like the MX or even like the um, the regular Airy or any of those, just like 
super 35 size, like 185 sensors, yeah. it crops the lenses. Right. So, so you're, like you're doing a two to one squeeze, so you're like you basically lose the size. Yeah. Right? Well, you're basically like taking only the center of what the anamorphic lens is, so it kind of zooms in on every single lens. So your widest lens is going to zoom in 30 percent. Like they literally crop like 30 percent. And it's already yep. an anamorphic lens to begin with. Right. Um, and then the epic, you know, only crops like 15 percent, which is better. The best thing to do right now is the the airy with the full sensor, which I just did a job like that as well, where we shot that. It was awesome. It was like, oh wow, these actually these lenses actually get wide. It was fantastic. Uh-huh. But anyway. Wanted to shoot anamorphic. Wanted to shoot with a lot of practical lighting, and so I was like, "Well, but the like on an anamorphic, like most of them are two eight or four. Or... That's the thing, or you need to be if you want it to be in focus, you right. know, like that kind of thing." So um, I looked into it and found that they had these high speed anamorphics, which would open up to like uh, I don't even remember, like a two, some even some even faster than that. But mm-hmm. when they're wide open, they don't necessarily look great. They're better if you still close them down a little bit, you know. But even still, if you're at a two or a two eight. And I ended up cranking the ISO to 3200. I mean, if anybody knows what that means, it's like I can use really little light right. and make it work. And um, it was awesome. The things like we, and it was all like small locations. It was here, it was actually here in LA. It was at like Lacey Street Studios, most of it. And having the anamorphic, yeah, we, we, were, we were watching a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, this movie's also very different from any movie's ever done. You know, it, it's very much like an old school horror film from like the early 70s. You know, like we watched. Mm-hmm. You know, we watched, like, The Tenant from Roman Polanski. We watched, right. you know, The Shining, obviously. We also watched The Devils Exorcist. from Ken Russell, Exorcist. Devils is All, a great movie. The, the Devils was a big reference for us. And um, With, with, with uh, by the way, uh, an architectural visual aesthetic that makes no sense for the time. And it works beautifully. Like none this, whatsoever. This but white it's, brick. It's, you know, it, it's this strange, like, mix of all of those kind of movies. And right. even, like, you know, like Argento as well. I mean, like, um, uh-huh. Suspiria was another, another one we were watching. And, you know, the movie also happens to be about witches. You know, Lords of Salem that we're making. Right. So, um, and another one for me, just for look, was um, uh, Macbeth, the Polanski Macbeth. Macbeth. That was a, that was a big one for me because that was super anamorphic, super anamorphic seventies, and I, I that was the movie that made me want to shoot Lords of Salem anamorphic and pitch so hard to Rob to do it anamorphic, and it just it gave this like element of scope to the movie that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Um, yeah. You just and, wouldn't get it if you shot spherical and then cut it off. Yeah, it was also it. the first movie I'd ever shot on anamorphic. It kind of just—I mean, as much as I just wanted to do it to try it out, I also thought it would just work better for the movie. And like I've—I've I've, had fallen in love with it. I've shot, you know, I think four features on anamorphic since. Oh, really? <laughs> because I just loved it. <laughs> you so got much. hooked on it. I did. I, I, I'm drinking the anamorphic Kool-Aid. I think it's awesome. <laughs> um, oh, that anamorphic Kool-Aid—it comes in jug shape like that. It's yeah. massive yeah. And, and expensive. Apparently, producers <laughs> don't like it. <laughs> Um, but so, so so tell us the story of the Lords of Salem, just so that we know what it's about. Oh, it's it's this um, coven of witches who were you know uh, captured during a ritual three hundred years ago and burnt alive. And uh, cut to flash forward, and we've got this um, this character Heidi, who's like a local DJ in Salem, Massachusetts, and she gets this mysterious record sent to her that's from the Lords of Salem, and she plays it, and it's this weird music that you know the witches we saw playing earlier in the movie, like, kind of like infects her and like the women of Salem and it kind of like starts this whole almost like it's almost like this weird Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole thing where it's mm-hmm. like she kind of like starts entering this weird almost dream state that she sort of never comes out of um, and it just gets really weird and kind of super fucked up from there it's not like a jump scare movie either you know like it's really it's sort of a journey it's a journey it's a slow burn for sure and you gotta be into that if yeah. uh, I mean there's like there's barely any there's a couple handheld shots in this whole movie too which is also totally different from Rob's aesthetic it's all really like 
static and composed and just it takes its time. It's nuts. It's awesome. I love it. It's like my favorite kind of horror movies and we got to do it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so it's also a departure for you because you're, you're doing all these composed... Yeah, it was great. Um, it was awesome. Um, I loved it. You know, it, it also, it was just such a good... I just love working. I love working with Rob. You know, like we, we, we. What's your relationship like? Is it is it is it is it just like you guys just fit perfectly, or is there friction ever? Or? I mean, in at least to me, it feels like we fit perfectly. You know, I feel like we never really have an argument. I mean, as much of an argument as it will be, will be him saying this shot sucks at the monitor. I was like, well, why? And then we'll like figure it out. It's like, okay, you're right. Let's do this. We'll change this and make this better. And then it ends up just being better because of that. And he doesn't do that all the time, but it's like that's the only time there's ever sort of like a. That's just how. He is that's and how great. we work, and we just bounce off of each other really well. I don't know. I feel like we just make each other better at what we do in this way that is really unique and fun to do. You make him want to be a better man. I, I do that. Yeah. Personally. No, I don't. No, no. That's, no. That's I don't. That's weird. That's, that's a, little bit, a little bit weird. But that's okay. We'll let that one go. It was just, it's just a good experience is all. You know, it's just really fun to do. How did you get onto That's My Boy? Because now we're talking about... <laughs> Now we're talking about an Adam Sandler picture. This is this is you know we are doing these independent even in Neville Dean Taylor's studio picture, but it's Neville Dean Taylor and Marcus. But they're crazy, and everyone knows what they do is crazy. Uh-huh. And but this is now we're talking about an Adam Sandler movie. Yes. So how does this come about? Uh, how did it come about? Um, that's a good question. Because it's totally different from anything else I've ever done. I mean, and um, anything I ever actually thought I would even do, for that matter. Right. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I mean, there's a few things that come into it. It's like, like this awesome job comes comes along and you meet with the, the, the guy. I mean, like, Sean, the director, is, is fantastic. Awesome guy. Like, I had a, had a great meeting with everybody. And, uh, you know, the script was, was fun. It was super raunchy. It kind of reminded me more of, like, older, old school, yep. you know, Sandler. Like, it definitely had more of, like, that, you know, why when I was 14, like, I loved, you know, Billy Madison and, like, Happy Gilmore. It reminded me more of that. So I responded to that. It was also rated R. It was the first Happy Madison rated R movie I'd ever done. And, you know, I think Sandler was trying to shake it up and get some new people in the mix. I mean, he shoots religiously with a lot of the same people. I mean, he has, like, a whole family. And it was the, a new production designer, a new director, and a new DP who ended up uh, uh, hiring me. And ultimately, it's, I mean, I keep getting most of my work from MacGruber. MacGruber seems to be the movie that, like, gets me most of these jobs. Right. You know, because I've, I've, I've been, you know, doing a handful of comedy jobs lately, too. And it's always, like, that's the one where they're like, yeah, that's great. And I'm like, thank you. I'm just happy you saw it because I thought it was so awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, they wanted it to, uh, they wanted it to not, I don't know, I guess they wanted it to not be so, I guess I don't know what, Adam Sandler-y? I don't even know if there's a, there's like a tradition like, 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 like a big budget aesthetic. And they wanted it to be a little less traditional, yeah. and we ended up making it, it ended up turning out to like, to be kind of like a hybrid of that, I mm-hmm. think, you know, I mean, because there's half, half the movie takes place like in the Adam Sandler's character world, which is a little more... He's like, you know, like he's like this like Boston townie that kind of used to be famous, and we wanted that to sort of feel a little dirty, a little more just Boston ghetto kind of, and just a little more just, I don't know, washed up 80s rock and roll kind of thing. And then there's like the Cape Cod world, which is nice and clean and pretty and bright, and we, we actually wanted that kind of contrast to happen. And then once he actually jumps into that world, he starts to infuse that into, you know, what is nice and pretty. And, you know, it's... It's hard because they, they, you know, they shoot. We shoot three cameras, like all the time. So it's it's hard to shoot. Three. Oh, that's that, but that's both Sean and it's just the way Adam Sandler likes workers. Sandler, specifically, he, he's like I'm a three camera kind of guy. 
Yeah. Just in case, like, you catch something, it's a good take. You don't want to have to I mean, back. I think that in Sandler's world, like, he still sort of treats scenes a little bit like they're, like, SNL skits. Right. Just in, just in terms of, like, how it happens. It's like he, he wants to get in there and get it wide and get, like, the two overs this way so you can capture most of it within that and run, like, a 40-minute take. Right. Which he'll also do. Um, just Because they do a lot of improv, and they'll back it up, do it again. Like, without stopping and starting, he just... Well, I mean, I've seen that a lot in just a lot of improv comedy that I've been involved with just recently, is that that's, you know, sort of natural to do, especially with digital, and you can just roll forever. Exactly. Um, which, you know, I'm starting to think, I, mean, I think is fine. I mean, they get good performances out of it, and that's just how they work. Um, but when you're trying to light, if you're trying to light three angles, it's really hard to get something that looks, you know, as edgy as they want it to be, because you still want to be able to see people's eyes when it's a comedy and all this and that. So it's a, it's a I don't know. It's, it's totally a struggle. You know, there's so, definitely stuff I would have done differently in that movie had we not been shooting, shooting three cameras. Right. Um, but that was actually my next question. So on yeah. the one hand, they want a fresh, young guy, but on the other hand, you're... On the, on the other hand, a little bit of their formula kind of keeps the way that they, that they do things. Right. You know, and um, it isn't necessarily uh, bad. It's just, it's what it it's just how they work. You right. know? And uh, you know, for me, it just became fun to try to find ways to get out of that. It's like, how can I make this three-camera setup look good? And, you know, I, it just... It's just, getting, it's just getting practice doing that. What were some of the things you did? Well, it's like, I get, I get, it's weird. I'll, I'll get back into like the Halloween 2 mode where I'll embrace, embrace a shot that kind of almost feels like it shouldn't look correct, but because it feels a little bit more real, I like it. It's like one shot will end up, look, end up getting hosed, I think. And, and you just kind of have to find a way to do one of those shots. Yeah, just have to try to find a way to have it land on that one shot where it seems at least a little bit interesting, even if it's not the way you wanted it to be lit. Right. And then it kind of just falls into place, and ultimately I'm happy with it. If, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's... Uh, and I can't even give an example necessarily. It's just like how... You know, like if you have to have like a backlight on two people on one side, and that's obviously going to hit somebody totally hard, full force on, their, on the front of their face, well, find a way to manipulate it on them so it's just hitting a piece of them, so it just looks like weird and kind of natural, but it's still interesting. Right. I guess. I don't know. I also kind of just feel it out as it goes. I don't really know what I'm doing. I didn't say that <laughs> well, I, I would beg to differ with you on that. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take the I'm just take the opposing view. Sure. Fair, fair. So, uh, new movie coming out hasn't been released yet. This is the end. This is the end. So this has got basically everybody who's hot in comedy right now. Yeah. Pretty much everyone. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm finishing the DI for it right now. Tomorrow, I'm going in for the last day. Oh, really? You're and, in the middle uh, of the DI right now. It's uh, it's rad, man. The movie's totally bonkers. It's another one of those movies where it's like you watch it and can't believe it was made. Like, who would actually make this movie? Because it's such a wild idea. But when you watch it, you go, "Holy shit, this is fantastic!" Like, I'm so happy this exists. The concept is. Go ahead. Well, it's um, it's uh, <laughs> it's. It's Seth Rogen, it's Jay Baruchel, it's Jonah Hill, yeah. it's Craig Robinson, James Franco, and Danny McBride. A few, few small, just a couple, small players. Just, a couple, just yeah. a couple of dudes. A couple of hacks. You might have heard of some of them. Yeah, yeah. And they all play themselves in the movie, so it's right. a total like meta comedy. Um, yeah. So Jay is, uh, you know, Jay's visiting Seth from out of town. They decide to go to a party at James Franco's house. Right. And when they go, because that's party, where you go to party. Well, against against Jay's will. They go to James Franco's house <laughs> and uh, to go hang out, and right. um, 
while they're there, you know, uh, they're like every other crazy cameo that is in the world. All their friends showed up. It's like we'd literally shoot sequences in the house for the party where it's like you'd think they're extras, but they're famous people in the background. There were so many people. It was nuts um, just because they're all buddies with everybody. Right. But the apocalypse happens. I mean, literal rapture. Like people get raptured into the heavens and then like uh, there's a whole like... You know, <laughs> there's like a, a pit that drops into hell in, the Jim, in Jim Franco's front yard and kind of like kills every single person <laughs> that's around and <laughs> fires light up everywhere. It's just, it's nuts. It doesn't make any sense. And they, they basically bore themselves up inside James Franco's house to survive the apocalypse. And it's these six guys and they, it becomes the real world. Right. In the apocalypse, with all these guys trying to trying to survive. How much of it is is fighting against the apocalypse, and how much of it is just watching them sort of? Oh, I'd say it's ninety percent watching them <laughs> react to what's happening, <laughs> okay, um, so which is super funny. Did the budget sustain all the effects that they wanted to do, or did you have to do them in a kind of semi uh, semi kitschy way, or did you do them in an actual like blow blow the fuck up kind of a way? Um, actual kind of blow them up kind of way. I think it's 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 amazing how legit feeling this movie is because one of the things that the guys wanted when I met with them was like, look, we want this movie to feel like a horror movie. They're like, we don't care if it's dark. In fact, we want it to be dark. And I was like, oh, you do, awesome. I can help you with that. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'm your guy, which was just awesome to hear. We also shot the anamorphic, and we just wanted we worked in as many like you know of those like just like Michael Bay lens flares in as often as you could. And right. It was just. Uh, but there's also a bunch of three camera stuff in that too. But it was also that just getting back to the three camera style, it's like using some of what I had learned off of the the Sandler picture. I like was honing that even more in like a dark sense for this movie, which was really fun to do. Um, we had to. I mean, you have six different guys improving. Like it's hard to not have multiple cameras on the stuff. To yeah, I'm surprised. How many shots? Three, actually, right. I mean, any more than that, I'd probably freak out in that kind of, <laughs> that kind of a scenario. <laughs> I mean, it's not crank, I guess. Yeah. Um, so you used an, an Alexa, I guess? Epics. Are you, you used yeah. all Epics? We used Epic. I used Epics because I wanted to use Anamorphic and I wanted to have as little frame cropping as possible. I think the studio had just come out at that point and it wasn't as easy to get a hold of or affordable to get a hold of, so we went Epics. And, uh, you know, it, I think it looked great. I'm, I'm really, what I'm what really lenses on it? it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Panavision, again, we used the G series. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess also getting back to Lords of Salem, we used a whole mix of lenses on that. It was like high speed C's, E's, G's. We were kind of all over the place just for different you know, purposes. But almost strictly G's on this is the end and a couple of E's, I think, on the long end because the E's are just, they're just nice. Right. The two long ones. Um, and there was a zoom in there too. I forget what it was called. I don't know. Uh, Who makes the zoom? It's a, it's a Panavision zoom, it's but it's, it's it's their like it's their fancy zoom. I just forget what they're. I'm I I I, I reference my lists when I look at it. And I kind of forget what they're called. I'm not the most technical guy in the world, unfortunately. I, you know what? I found a lot of the best ones are not the most technical guys in the world. So I just, you're in good company. I just like making movies. <laughs> <laughs> God forbid, right? Um, so and so uh, is this? I I mean, again, I haven't seen the movie. It hasn't been released yet. You're still diing it. Yeah. I saw the trailer, and you know the trailer is this, or I think it's like more of a teaser. It's like this thing that happened. Yeah, it was like a scene. A scene. Like a yeah, like they're walking, and he's, he's like, "You, you know, Brick Bride's like, right. you, Jonah Hill, you're a fucking Academy Award nominated actor." So right. he's like, "No, it's really the apocalypse." You know? Yeah. <laughs> okay, you got me. On yeah, that it's one. like James Franco didn't suck any dick last night. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, now I know y'all are tripping. <laughs> God, that's awesome. That's such a good line. But it looks <laughs> it looks really polished. Like this to me looks. Like the most sort of like you know studio ish of your movies that I've seen from that one scene. Sure, um, 
I guess maybe it is, you know, but it's still, I guess it's studio polished, but it still has that kind of um, grit to it, which we wanted, I guess, which I guess you'll see when you watch the movie. It, um, like a lot of it's handheld too, which we wanted to do just so it wasn't so still. A lot of, a lot of um, improv style comedies I find end up feeling kind of still just yeah. because, you know, if you're, if you're rolling, you know, half an hour takes or whatever, like, the scene's not going to be that long. They got to figure out what they're going to cut out to sculpt it into the three-minute scene it's going to be. So your blocking can't be too too uh, intricate because it has to both start and end in the same place for that whole scene to work. If they're going to cut the stuff down, right? So because you know being so planted, it's like what are ways we can kind of make it more exciting? I guess and. I don't know, handheld? Like that was something that we threw in there and we just did that and I think it helps. <laughs> so you, gotta, you do have a bit of a freewheeling, a freewheeling um, approach to <clears throat> what you do, sort of an instinctive approach to what you do. Yeah, it sounds I do. Like. I do, and, but, but, I did, but this is all stuff, still stuff that's discussed beforehand. Like right. I, I, I definitely, when I get into... You prep. Yeah. Um, I get into any movie and try to figure out, for me, like the way that my, I guess, brain works around a movie is I kind of figure out, okay, what am I going for? Like... Usually for me, it's like, what, what movies am I trying to rip off that this should look like? But, <laughs> so what were the movies for This Is The End? Um, what was it? I'm, I'm totally going against with what I said because I don't know if I actually had one. No, we were looking at a lot of, um, actually, we were looking at, at I Am Legend a lot. <laughs> we were looking at Apocalypse Now a lot. Uh, honestly, those were like the two big ones we looked at. And then some like... Uh, and like Annie Hall, right? Like as weird as that is to throw into the mix. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those were like the those kind of were the big three that we looked at, and I just sort of condensed that into a vibe. It's really funny that you say that because now I think about the scene that I saw in the theater, and it kind of feels like a match of those, yeah, of those like three a bit. Like there's a bit of a bit of a hue and you know hard light. Totally and, what we were going for, and yeah. um, I'll do that for I'll do that for anything, you know. And, and and if I can sort of define what I think my sort of rule set is for the movie, I kind of keep it within that within yeah. reason. I mean, I never like just stay rigid to it, but that's how I, for me, that's just how I can, I know that if I can keep it within what I sort of define mentally, I know that it's going to match later on and not just be too far out of the wheelhouse, hopefully, later. But, I don't know, does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. How much, how much of what you're doing on the day um, comes down to sort of working with the blocking that's been given? I mean, is, are you really cognizant of you sort of using the camera? Yeah, I mean, um, I, mean I, I think you have to be. Uh, although, if a lot of the movies I've been on, like shot listing doesn't necessarily happen. Uh, like that, that, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's like that thing you talk about in film school. It's like, oh yeah, we'll shot list and storyboard this and that. And I know, and people still do, and I, I do still. But like, I find so often now we'll just be like, yeah, we know that we want to do this and look this way, and we'll we'll block it and figure it out on the day. It's like, oh okay. And so I'm, I'm getting, and I've gotten so used to doing that that like I'll watch the blocking and then adjust from there, which I also really like because it allows the actors to kind of find the scene and find what feels comfortable. And then, even if it doesn't necessarily fit, I'll always adjust it like if it, doesn't, if it makes a shot look stupid or something, but I like the randomness that comes with that because you, then you don't just end up with something that just feels super cookie cutter. You know, I, I, I guess I like to try to throw chaos into the mix and then sort of work around that because for me it just feels interesting. Right. Well, I think I'm glad you said that because I think it, 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 that freshness comes across in all of your pictures. The freshness and the energy. Thanks. I'm always just afraid it comes across as a big mistake. <laughs> no, no, it's, but, but it's, it's, but, but it's, 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 be, it's beauty and it's art, very artful. And I think it, it is as um, revolutionary or evolutionary to the craft of what you do 
as you know impressionism was to painting and you know so many other things you know, avant-garde was to, 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 to sculpture and all the you know all those things um, and I'm not an art historian so I'm gonna stop pulling terms out of my ass and neither am I um, um, I, I think first blood was awesome that's what I've got <laughs> first <laughs> You've been trained to eat things and make Billy go puke. Anyway. Oh, so, uh, good. so good. It is so good. <laughs> my war's over. <laughs> Give me that one again. Give me that one again. <laughs> my, my war's over. <laughs> That's horrible. My brother's better at it than I am. As much as we love it. <laughs> <laughs> and what movies are you working on next? Um, right now, I'm prepping a movie called Townies. Uh, although I think the title's going to change, but it's um, it's Nick Stoller's new movie, the guy that did um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Wonderful. Get Him to the Greek, and it's but it's also with uh, Seth and Evan. It's their it's their production company, so I'm sort of they've uh, brought you in, brought me in. They uh, they they got me on to meet with Nick, and and they hired me to do the job. But but go figure, it's to make a comedy look a little more rough and tumble again. Go we're, figure, yeah, we're, go figure. We're doing it all kind of like for this movie. All of our uh, references have been like. Enter the void. <laughs> it's so weird. It doesn't, Actually, make, it doesn't make any sense. We're but. supposed to have Benoit Debbie here too. Really? Yeah, oh, I'm a big fan. Big of fan. Guy, well, I, I kind of link up you and him too. Really? Well, uh, yeah. I, mean, you take I, a look. I would feel lucky to be that guy. Is some, just does some of my favorite stuff. Like he's, he's one of my favorite DPs. He's one there, of my. Right? I, like, I completely. Agree. I've never met him. I don't even know what the guy looks like. I just think his work is fantastic. Like, yeah. uh, does he get the gringo? Oh yeah, fantastic it looking looks picture. Awesome. It, you, it's very similar aesthetic to you, actually. I, I, thrown together and like raw and. I love it. I can't know. wait for Spring Breakers too. Like Spring, Spring Breakers, Breakers looks fantastic. I can't right? wait to see that. So movie. we had the editor of Spring Breakers here, actually. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's another. Like we're literally referencing that trailer for this movie that we're doing right now. No, 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 no. no, no, no. I, I'm totally. I, <laughs> Again, I mean, just, the, just the movies the, I'm ripping the off. Pop, to make another the popping one. colors and like mm-hmm. you know just. Are there going to be as many good-looking babes in townies? I hope so. I hope so. It's like it's like a it's like a college college frat versus like nice neighbors next door movie so we'll see how it goes ah got it uh, but it, you know it's super vulgar and wrong <laughs> which wrong. is awesome um, but uh, and, and so you're prepping that anything else coming down the pipe that um, what else I just shot a movie in New York called uh, Are We Officially Dating which is kind of just a straight up romantic comedy like nice. I, that, 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 that's something else I'd like to do. I like I like doing different stuff, and I, I didn't mention that before when uh, when I when I took the job for 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 that's my boy. Like I was kind of I was excited to do a comedy. Like I, I I love the idea to be able to bounce around between genres. Like I'm I don't want to be like you know confined to just one thing it, it, when it comes down to it. I I, I want to have the ability to do anything because I I just I love it. You know, and so mm-hmm. that was part of the reason why I did that. Like I wanted to have. Something that looked kind of like a Hollywood glossy esque comedy, and you know, we we did that, and then the next thing I did was Lords of Salem, which was totally different. But then, this movie is um, it's it's small, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's Zac Efron and, and a bunch of other sort of awesome uh, up and coming actors, uh, and it's uh, the director wanted to shoot it like a drama. He said, like, just make this look like a nice, just normal drama, but it'll also be a romantic. Com- it's like a romantic comedy script, and I'm really happy with it. I actually just saw some scenes from it today, and it's. Uh, for a really low budget job, I think it. I think it looks rad. I'm I'm stoked with it. It's just it, it looks unlike anything else I've ever done. Just and it's like normalcy, I guess if that makes sense. It's still yes. dark in tone, so it doesn't really match the normal kind of movie, I guess. So it still has that kind of juxtaposition to it, but it just feels classic. It, that's it. It just has like a classic, almost like just like normal, like 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 a '70s comedic drama would feel, if that makes sense. I don't know, but I yeah. like it. It's neat. It's just yeah. different. 
I, I think you're saying it's, it feels like like a genuine like a genuine almost like a, what you're describing is kind of like a cross between two Woody Allen films like interiors and yeah it is yeah. It, it, it totally is like it has it has that, that that kind of tone to it and um and we shot in New York which was awesome I never shot a feature in New York before it was part of the reason well it must, have, it, it must be great for you to bring your eye to New York and sort of see the city you know it was awesome you know um Although, uh, you know, this movie I'm doing now shoots in L.A. It's the first movie I've done in L.A. in years. I mean, because everything shoots out of town. I'm so stoked just to be home. I feel, it feels weird. I feel like I'm, like I'm, like, like I'm visiting or something. It's so bizarre. Um, yeah. Brendan Trust. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, man. Sure. This was fantastic. It was fun. You are a rock star. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Look at the dimples. The dimples sell it, right? That's how you get every job. You walk in and you just give them the dimples. That's that's a secret weapon. <laughs>